Welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Dunham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode. I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so blessed by your presence. If you're new to the show, I'm Helen. I'm a self-mastery mentor for women, and my whole purpose is to help you clear out any mental or spiritual blocks that are keeping you from leading the most happy, fulfilling, most successful life that you could lead. So that's what this podcast is all about and really diving into the root, the core issues uh, that keep us from living in the highest vibration possible while also holding space for our humanity. Today we are joined by Sabrina Aranya to talk about womb healing, hormones, embodiment, motherhood, and everything in between as it relates to being a woman. So Sabrina is a women's health and hormone coach and womb wellness practitioner. She helps women to reclaim their bodies, emotions, and feminine radiance using the understanding of science and the sacred healing arts. She focuses on helping women who feel let down by the modern medical system, are disconnected from their body's own innate wisdom, and who are ready to take a new approach to what it means to embody the feminine form. So as always, we'd love to hear what your takeaways are from this episode as you listen. You can find Sabrina on Instagram at womb underscore alchemist, and I'm at Helen Denham underscore. Thank you so much for being here. I am so grateful for your presence as always. And you can even leave a little review if you feel called. I think on Spotify, you can just tap that star. So enjoy this episode and I will talk to you on the flip side. The first question I always love to ask guests is how do you like to start your days off? Do you have any rising routines or rituals that you go to? This is a phenomenal question for this moment in my life because being a new mom, I remember a time when I was like the morning ritual queen, you know, and I remember posting about on my social media, like, oh, this is what a morning looks like to really get me going for the day. Motherhood has drastically (laughs) changed that. And it's almost made me feel embarrassed for ever having like shared a morning routine like that, not thinking about how there were mothers in the world who like would probably roll their eyes at that and like sure that sounds great but I have like a toddler at 6 30 in the morning that's crying and wants breakfast and you know so I will say you know definitely my like very dedicated morning routine has certainly gone by the wayside um and I hope one day to maybe have that in my life again but uh, the things that are critical that I absolutely do and I've had to like you know make my family be a part of it is We do go out and get morning sun. So I have a courtyard right here and we go out with the kids just for a little bit. Sometimes we'll breakfast out there depending on what the weather's like, but um, I'm in Mexico, so it's it's generally pretty nice, but I need to get some morning sun on me. I need to get it on the babies. I think that's really important, especially if it's a day where we're, you know, home and working and we're not necessarily spending too much time outside. And then I love baths. So a a bath is really important for me as well. Um, And that's kind of my time where I'll either kind of like I'll either have the baby in there with me in a little like rocker or I'll take my toddler in with me because someone's going to be watching these kids at one point, you know, Um, but I'll do have some salts and some essential oils and that I feel like connecting with the water and just kind of taking that time has been really crucial. But yeah, the, the morning routine looks very different once you're a parent. So I don't have a, I don't have a whole fancy, like I used to get up and meditate and do breath work and journal and Yeah. If I could just take a few deep breaths while I'm in the bathtub, we're doing great. (laughs) I love that, you know, and I love the, um, you know, the refreshing aspect of that, because I think it's natural for our routines to change often anyways, regardless if we're having kids or we're changing relationships or we're starting new careers. So it's refreshing to hear you say that and give yourself permission to just ease in intuitively to the, the flow that you find yourself in. But I feel like simply getting into sunlight is major. If, if all of us could just do that and get some vitamin D that's beautiful. Yeah. So, I mean, I find yeah. that it's really critical for my hormonal health, but with babies, especially, um, a lot of people have asked me, cause I, both my children have been really great sleepers and people have always asked me why that's the case. And it's because we go out and get morning sunlight 
And then in the evening, we turn off the lights. Like when it starts to get dark outside, I've got those like battery operated like candles, you know, but I have them like all over and, you know, I'll crack the bathroom door or we'll have like a dim light or, you know, a, a salt lamp or something, but we keep it really dim in the evening in the house. And I think that doing that routine regularly has very, like from the get-go has really set their circadian rhythms. And then I know for ourselves, like, yeah, you know, sometimes when the kids go to bed, my husband and I will watch a movie or something before bed, which isn't optimal, but I, I'll sometimes wear those um, blue blocker glasses, like if I'm worried that it's going to affect my sleep quality. Um, but I really feel like tapping into the circadian rhythm, not letting your, not confusing your body with the artificial light and letting it really throw you off, I think has been the key to both kind of helping me have really consistent and healthy sleep, but setting them up for success to be good sleepers as babies. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good tip. That makes a lot of sense. It reminds me if any of us listening have been on like camping trips or anything, like I always get the best night's sleep on an extended camping trip because you're just going with the natural cycle. Yeah, definitely. And then of course, the just the grounding aspect of sleeping on the earth is pretty, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's it's a huge reset for cortisol, Um, you know, because I work with women around hormonal health. And, you know, we tend to think, oh, that's just estrogen and progesterone. But it's like, no, our hormones are like, they're all so deeply interconnected. They're in a big communication with each other at all times. So I often think of hormones as like a game of musical chairs, right? If you, if too many take up some seats, other ones are out, you know, vice versa. So um, cortisol is a big hormone that plays a huge factor in our, um, you know, our, our cycles, our hormonal health, as well as melatonin. I was talking about like the light and everything, but sleeping on the earth for one night is a total re it's like a flush and a reset of your cortisol. So if you're, you know, a high stress person and you really feel like you've been kind of running on these adrenal hormones for a long time, maybe like you need coffee to get your day started and there's like no other way or whatever. Like that's when I highly recommend like unplugging and going and camping and just spending a night sleeping on the earth, even if it's your backyard, cause you can't go anywhere. You know what I mean? Um, it can make a huge difference. Yeah. So important. So I would love to hear about hormonal health in general, because as you're speaking about this, I'm just realizing like, I don't know if I know very much about hormones, like one one So what do we need to know about hormones in general? Sure. Well, our hormones are um, our body's messenger system, essentially. So we have uh, our endocrine system, which is consisted of a bunch of different glands. Um, and each of these glands re um, release hormones, and they create a cascade of effect in our body to do pretty much everything. I mean, almost every part of our body is run by hormones. Um, and the, the conversations I'm generally having about hormones is, like I said, mostly around progesterone and estrogen and our cycles. But we can't think of that as separate. You know, I think we've been kind of raised in a society to think like, oh, our reproductive health is separate from this other aspect of our health. That's why when we go to doctors, they take you to specialists, and, you know, but when you're looking at the body as a holistic model, everything is so interconnected with everything else. So, um, yeah, in the context of hormonal health, it's helpful to kind of understand how there is this it's just this one huge dialogue happening between all areas of your, of your health. So if you're having, for instance, like cycle challenges, you know, so you're having heavy periods or your periods are missing, or you're having like symptoms around your cycle, like whether it be headaches or cramping or whatever that is, you know, understanding that it's not like just the separate aspect of your life where it's like, Oh, there's just something weird with my reproductive cycle. It's often, and, and it's greatly impacted by, you know, stress. And like I said, cortisol, so your overall stress, how you're eating, what's going on with your blood sugar. Um, there's just so many different, your gut, your liver health, all of these things. So, you know, understanding hormones is one part of the piece, but it's really seeing how they inter interrelate to every other aspect of our, of our overall health and our, and our body. Totally. Yeah. That helps so much to have a more holistic understanding of that. So what drew you into this work into hormone healing, but also into womb healing in general and the spiritual connection there? Yeah. I, my like general go-to story, just cause it's like easy to write about is like, I got diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome when I was in my early twenties. And I I'd been having, you know, I was on birth control for years because pretty much from the moment I got my period, it wasn't great. And I had acne and I had mood swings. And so, you know, at 14, I got put on birth control and, you know, it almost seemed cool at that time. It was like, ah, oh, you're a real woman. Now you're on birth control, you know, and, and nobody was talking to me or my parents about what the 
you know, the, the risk factors were of being on hormonal birth control, which there are a lot. And that's something I talk about a lot. You've probably seen it on my social media. Um, so, you know, I kind of had this like fake period for a really long time. And eventually I decided I wanted to go more natural and holistic. I'd been studying yoga. It was like working on my diet. And I was like, I'm going to get off these pills. I don't want to be on any, on any, on any pills. And as soon as I did that, my, all of those symptoms came back from before and were way worse. And then after a while, my cycle disappeared and it was just like, it got to this point where it was really debilitating. And it wasn't just, like I said, just the physical symptoms of my cycle. It was also that I was having, you know, a lot of mental health issues that at the time I didn't realize were so integrated in this whole story that really had so much to do with what was happening with my hormones in my body. I thought I was just like severely mentally ill, depressed, anxious, you know, um, and so, um, ultimately when I got diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, the only, you know, recourse that the gynecologist gave me was to get back on birth control. And I was like, this is not like, this seems like this is not there. There has not been any better answer figured out around this. And then I wasn't really sure what I was doing with my life at that moment. I'd been through a big transition and I was like, you know, I'm just going to go and study about this stuff and like, see if I can figure it out myself. And there was this awesome school. I was on the East coast of the U S at the time, um, Maryland university of integrative health. And they had this program on, you know, being, becoming a health coach and studying nutrition and herbal medicine. And I was like, I'm going to learn. I know there's got to be a natural answer. You know, I just knew that in my being. And I was like, I'm going to go study this stuff. I'm going to figure out how to heal myself. I didn't necessarily have any intention of it being like a career. You know, here I am just like, I'm just going to take out loans and study stuff so I could like figure it out, you know? Um, But it was amazing because I kind of used myself as a guinea pig. Because at that point I was kind of at my, like, I was at the end of the rope. I had no idea, like, nothing else was working. And I didn't want to backtrack. I didn't want to get back on antidepressants. I didn't want to get back on the pill. Um, and so, yeah, I was trying different diets. I was trying different herbs. I was all changing up all kinds of things. And within six months, I'd actually reversed my condition entirely. We went from having these, you know, these ovaries completely covered in cysts to none visible whatsoever. My cycle came back, my symptoms got better. And then things that I didn't ever associate with my cycle, like my mood and things were also significantly impacted. And, and I, like, I was just doing a lot better in all areas of my life. And I just thought this is unbelievable, like that this is even possible and that nobody is talking about it. And then I kind of became like, um, oh my God, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a missionary for this. Like I was like telling everybody and all my friends that were having issues, whether it was with their cycle or their PMS moods and whatever, I just was going around telling everybody like, hey, you got to get off birth control. There's something else. We got to do something else. Um, and it over time, you know, developed into a, um, my career, but that wasn't my like initial intention. I, I, at first I went and worked at a integrative medical center, just kind of as a generic health coach. I was just helping the, the clients of the doctors there with, you know, changing up their diet and, you know, paying attention to the quality of their water and just kind of basic things. But I found more and more that I really wanted to work with women. And it seemed like everywhere I turned, I had female friends who were struggling. And so, and that's still the case. It's like, I, I don't think I'm going to run out of business anytime soon, because unfortunately, you know, there just haven't been many other solutions that have been offered. And the standard allopathic medicine model that, you know, we've been given by going to the doctor is continuing to offer the same things, which is, you know, birth control surgery, you know, or, Hey, you know, we can't help you or, you know, it's, seems like a lot of women get gaslit or get really let down by that system. And so I've been trying to catch all of those, all of those women and, and inspire them to find another way. And unfortunately, it's not as easy as taking a pill. It does require making, you know, lifestyle changes and really committing to your health. But um, that's ultimately, I think what, you know, you mentioned womb healing as well. I think, you know, for me, it was like my relationship with my period was really negative. Then when I started to shift it and heal, it became really positive. But then it, I realized there was something much deeper at work here. It was not just about healing my hormones. It was that, and I, and I say this a lot in, in my writing, is that like at the root of a lot of these menstrual fertility, reproductive health issues really comes down to our relationship to ourselves as a woman and our relationship to our the feminine as like a an archetype within us and how it is that we work with that and we live in a culture that's really elevated masculine energy you know it's capitalism it's about working hard it's about you know go 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 and you have time to sleep when you're dead and unfortunately that's not the way of the feminine and that's not the 
that's not healing or supportive to women, to women's bodies. You know, we're so different than men and we can't live a life treating ourselves and our bodies like we are men. That just doesn't work. And so, um, yeah, as I kind of went deeper through my healing work, I realized, you know, there is so much power and wisdom in our wombs that I had never tapped into. I hadn't been aware of. And for me, it started with realizing that, you know, once I kind of healed my PCOS, that I was like, there's what actually caused it, you know? And yes, there's physical things, right? My, uh, my diet was very high in, in carbohydrates. I wasn't eating enough protein. I wasn't eating frequently enough. There's all these, you know, physical biochemical things that were happening. But the truth of the matter was I very much rejected myself as a woman and, and taking time to rest and self-care and, um, and even connecting with my womb to see that, well, there was a lot of trauma that I experienced and I was holding a lot of unprocessed grief and emotion in my womb space. I think of our wombs a lot as repositories for, um, for things that have been unprocessed. And so to create a healthy space there for, um, for our cycles, for fertility, whether it's now or in the future, oftentimes we have to go excavate in there and see what's in there that needs to be cleared and released. And so, yeah, that was kind of the next stage of that journey for me was beginning to do deeper and deeper healing work around that. And so I found more um, indigenous practices, uh, energetic practices, um, and that kind of just opened up a whole new world for me. And so in terms of how I work with women now, I really like to bridge together both the scientific and understanding about nutrition and, you know, what supplements can be helpful, um, as well as really making it a point to focus on the energetics and the emotional component of womb healing work as well. I think that both are required for healing and they go hand in hand. And often those two things are really separated. And so, um, yeah, I've been really trying to integrate that to a fully holistic model for women's health. Popping in for a moment to chat with you about my private one-on-one -on -one mentorship series. This is for the woman who is ready to change her life. I know that feeling of confusion, anxiety, lack of direction, feeling like you're at a crossroads. And I've learned how to alchemize that discomfort and completely change my life, which is why I'm here to show you the way, to show you how to do it too. If you have been struggling with confidence, if you've been feeling stagnant in your personal and spiritual evolution, if you need help navigating a major transition in life, if you're seeking clarity about how to best move forward in your career or your personal life, or maybe you want to launch your own soul-led business but have no idea where to start, this is where I come in. This is the container for you. So if this sent off a ping in your intuition, in your soul, head over to HelenDenham.com and just book a free power session with me so we can get to know one another and decide if this is the best course of action for you. All right, my darlings, thank you so much for tuning in and back to the episode. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's so interesting as we deepen spiritual healing. I always find that it really does mirror and have a marriage with scientific understanding, whether it's quantum healing or I just find that our bodies are magnificent vessels for communicating exactly what's going on. Like I've been moving through kind of like patches of hair loss once in a while, and it always mm -hmm. follows a traumatic event. It's only happened twice, but I'm like, it's so obvious. And it was, my hair loss was directly connected to womb healing and safety. So it really does make sense, especially as women that our bodies are just giving us signals to say, Hey, I need a little extra love here. So I'd love to hear about like kind of maybe three things that you learned, you know, around biology and, and your biochemistry, like that really helps you. I, I know you mentioned quickly, like water, I, I tapped into that, like, what's the importance of drinking really clean water? And um, is there anything else that really helped you um, on a biological level, start to shift your healing, and then we'll get into the spiritual side? Sure. Yeah, I did want to just respond to one thing that you just said right now, which is that, you know, we don't really listen to our bodies. So many of us are walking around disembodied. We're sort of like living up here in this cerebral space. And um, I really think embodiment is such a key component because our bodies are speaking to us all the time and our symptoms aren't the problem. We've been taught to think that our symptoms are the enemy. And so we're looking for medications and things that are going to eliminate the symptoms, but the symptoms is how our body is communicating to us. And generally they give us, you know, some kind of signal earlier than that. But if we, if we don't hear that, if we block that out, if we try to cover that up with, oh, I'm, you know, I'm feeling tired and instead of sleeping, I'm going to drink caffeine and push through or whatever that is, is when they start yelling at us with these really, you know, uncomfortable symptoms. And so I just appreciated you saying that because I really think 
yes, the body is infinitely intelligent. It's far more intelligent than we are, to be perfectly honest. You know, if we were told, hey, grow a baby right now, like, you know, I have no idea how to do that, but my body does. It did. It did that, you know? So um, really learning how to be in relationship with the body and taking time to communicate with her, I think is, is critical. So I wanted to just, yeah, make a point on that since you brought that piece up. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, the water piece I think is really important. Um, what I'd say about the water specifically is that our I mean, definitely the tap water is problematic. Okay. So that's, that's one big thing. And depending on where you live, it can be more or less problematic, but we've seen a lot of issues with uh, access to water, even in the United States where there's been some really toxic water. Um, and, and I could say some even scarier things. I mean, there is so many, so many people are on medication in this world. So many women are on birth control and a lot of the byproducts of that, once they've gone through our bodies, get eliminated in our urine. And that gets recycled through the water system. And so um, I do think that, and it's it's small amounts, sure, but it, there's a cumulative effect to continuing to drink water that is filled with a lot of hormone disrupting chemicals that are present like everywhere. So I think it's pretty critical to have a water filter. Um, you know, the better quality, the more that can get filtered out, the better, but then additionally to remineralize our water. You know, my favorite kind of water to drink is natural spring water, but, you know, places where there's clear, healthy springs that haven't had, you know, pesticides or herbicides, you know, flow into it or whatever, those are becoming less and less. It's really sad. Um, but the reason that natural spring water tastes amazing, I mean, if you've ever just gone to a place where there was a spring that you could collect water and drink it, you're like, this is water. Like you're all of a sudden like, this is what water is supposed to taste like, you know? Um, and that's not, you know, you get a bottle of water and it says spring water, but that's not what you're getting from, you know, store-bought water. Um, but there's an energetic to water, but also specifically with the spring water, it's highly mineralized. And that's what's going on. It's, it's running through the earth and it's picking up all these minerals in the soil. And that's essentially why, like what hydration is about. Hydration is not just about H2O. It's about all the electrolytes and the minerals that are present in the water. And so when you filter water, it's awesome because you get out all the gnarly stuff that you don't want in there, but it doesn't add in those minerals. And so now it's kind of devoid of everything. So it's really important to also remineralize your water. So um, there's a company I've been using for um, probably over a decade now, to be honest, they're called Trace Minerals. Um, and you just add some of those drops to your water and it will replace a lot of those electrolytes that our bodies are missing. And those are key minerals that we need for all the functions in the body, you know, for really everything. Minerals kind of are the base. Our vitamins don't work without minerals. Our enzymes don't work without minerals and our hormones rely on minerals. So if you want to get to like the foundational level of supporting your health, we need to make sure that we're remineralizing the body. And our minerals are severely depleted now compared to um, a lot of our ancestors, even two generations ago, because we have been so dependent on, um, you know, large scale factory farming, and over time, continuing to use the land in that way has depleted the soil of a lot of these minerals. And so the food doesn't have it. You know, generally, if you're growing plants, vegetables in really rich soil, those minerals go into the go into the food and you eat it and you're able to get it. But, you know, there's a huge decrease in the amount of, for instance, magnesium, which is one that we really need um, in our food supply now than our grandparents had. And so that's why it's even more critical for us to, you know, pay attention to that and to adapt for it because yeah, we can't just trust that the stuff, even if it's organic, the food that we're buying at the grocery store is still nutrient deficient compared to what it used to be. Mm. Yes. I was just going to ask you quickly about a, a water filter recommendation. Uh, do you like Berkey? What, what ones do you like for water filtration? I think Berkey is a really good one. I'm trying to think of the name of this other one. It's pure something, which you would imagine. That sounds that sounds about right. Let me see if it'll come to me. I'm terrible with remembering name brands of things. Um, you know, those kind of most people when you think water filter, they're thinking about the you know the kind you can buy at like Target that you're just gonna pour the the tap water in and it's going to sit in your fridge or whatever. And, you yeah. know, it, those will get out some things, sure. But also most of them are plastic. So they're also sitting there, you know, in potentially endocrine disrupting plastic containers for a long time as well. Um, so I don't think plastic is the way to go with water filters. Um, and ultimately getting, um, you know, a more intensive water filter that's going to do a better job. Like 
there most of those basic filters will just take out the heavy minerals right so like that's like the heavy metal metals you know some of those bigger kind of particles but it's not doing that deeper sort of cleaning so you know unfortunately it is a it is an expense mm-hmm. for people to get um you know a, a higher quality water filter um but i think for the long term it really is a, a better idea yeah Totally a big investment in health. It's so necessary. I'm just remembering this image I saw of like our piping, most people's piping in their homes with all of that buildup in the pipes. And then we're drinking that water with all of that buildup. So that, (laughs) that alone was like, okay, time to change the water. Yeah. Yeah, So I'm, I'm in Mexico right now. I moved down here with my partner a little over a year ago and, you know, they always say don't drink the water in Mexico. Right. Um, and it's different depending on where you are in Mexico. But for instance, um, I have looked at testing of the water here and what the water here in San Miguel is highest in is, um, is, uh, arsenic. Oh, wow. So that, yeah, right. So that's that's the reason why you don't want to drink the water here is that there's minerals in it. And yes, they're in super small amounts. But if you were drinking this water day in and day out, that's highly problematic. Right. Um, and I've seen it like I've poured, you know, when I pour tap water into different containers or, or like have them sitting in the, somewhere for a while, you see this like buildup, just like you were talking about in the mm-hmm. pipes that begins to coat the inside of whatever the container is that the water is in, you know? So that made it kind of even more of a huge deal for us to, to deal with getting good quality water here. But even, you know, for instance, even our baths and things like that, it makes me nervous. I'm renting this house right now. So I haven't done like a full water filtration system for the home, but you know, a goal I have, and I think, you know, if you live somewhere where the water quality is, is really, is really bad, it's worth investing in a filter for your showers as well, because we absorb so much through the skin. And that's actually what I was going to say about my next point, because I know you mentioned three, three tips. So water was the first one. Um, You know, before we start talking about like what things to include into your diet or your, you know, your supplements or whatever to kind of support your hormonal health, um, I think paying attention to what to avoid is a bigger first step. And unfortunately, we live in a world where Um, a lot of the products that are being made are filled with chemicals, thousands of chemicals that we've never done long-term tests on. And frankly, I don't think we really, I mean, I think it'd be great. We need to do it, but I I already know that many of those are dangerous and not good for our health. And so one of the biggest issues is many of the chemicals that are in our cleaning products that are in our beauty products are endocrine disruptors. And that means they, they mess with our hormonal system. And uh, often what's happening is um, there are these xenoestrogens. So essentially they are synthetic chemicals that mimic estrogen in our body. And over time really contribute to this toxic load of having too much estrogen. And that's one of the most common hormonal imbalances that I see in women. And, you know, it's in makeup, it's in all kinds of things. So, you know, taking a look at what products you're using on your skin, which I said is incredibly absorbent, it's immediately bringing that stuff into your body and into your bloodstream, what you're using in your hair care products and your makeup, what cleaning solutions you're using, and, you know, really taking a look at the ingredients. I think we've taken for granted that, you know, they sell it in a store, it must be safe. And that is absolutely not the case. Um, Not even close. And it's really sad. But uh, just because something is available for sale does not in any mean uh, in any way mean that it doesn't have a serious carry a serious level of risk to your health. And so I've kind of become, you know, I'm not like crazy anal about it, but I've been pretty much a purist when it comes to body products, makeup, things like that. So, you know, if it's if it's got a ton of ingredients that I can't read the names of, I'm throwing it out. And when it comes to cleaning products, you know, we use vinegar, we use bronners, we use essential oils, and that's pretty much it. Um, there's no harsh chemicals anywhere in this house. And yeah, over time, I've noticed that that's made a huge difference for me. But I remember being young and just being inundated with all that stuff. My parents owned a hair salon growing up. And so, you know, we were constantly dyeing our hair with peroxide and all these different things. And you know, I was really into beauty and makeup when I was like a teenager. So I remember waking up before middle school for like an hour doing my makeup before I'd go to school, you know, and yeah, I just, I had no idea. And if you imagine the cumulative effect of, you know, what you're bathing in, what you're washing your hair and what you're putting on your face, what you're cleaning with throughout the day, every, every chemical you're coming in contact with, that's hundreds throughout the day. And that builds up as serious toxicity in the body. And I think it, it is a big reason why we see, you know, really high rates of cancer in people these days. Yeah. So that would be my other big tip would be begin to pay attention to the products that are in your home, the th- things you're using all the time and see if you can find cleaner, natural alternatives. You know, I buy 
I buy soap now from this Mexican woman down the street who makes handmade soaps and it's basically just glycerin and some essential oils, you know, I mean, there's, there's no need for all of that other stuff. And, um, you know, you can support local small businesses who are making clean, nice products as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that that can be a great way to go about it. I'm trying to think of what my third tip is right now, but maybe yeah. if you have a bunch or something, it'll give me a minute. Well, to- I just lit up knowing that you're in San Miguel de Allende is like, I, um, I went there for three months when I was like 13 to learn Spanish. And it was like, it's just such a sacred spot. And I don't hear much that people are there. It's like I, I've, the first time I've heard that name in a decade. So I love that you've been here because yeah, a lot of people don't even know about this place, but it is becoming kind of more. Um, it's a little yeah. bit more on the map now. I think they've it's won like best small city in the world from Travel Magazine for like three years running or something. So, um, yeah. but it's interesting because probably at the time you were coming, it was mostly you know there's the Mexican community and then a lot of um, retired expats like elderly mm-hmm. people. But there's a lot of younger families that have been moving to Mexico and then specifically to this area. So yeah, I love it here. Oh, it's beautiful. I remember going and it was like it was so not touristy at all. It was like cobblestone streets and people like having markets and all these cute dogs running around. It was really an authentic and very sacred experience. It'd be so interesting to go back now and see what, what changes in like 20 years, but it's still that way. But I will say there's just a huge influx of expats from, and and I think it's happened even more so as a result of COVID because Mexico you know, kept a lot more liberal sort of policies around people being able to travel in and out and stuff. And so, you know, there's been a lot of people from Australia, from Canada, from the US, from Germany, some places that maybe had a little bit of stricter regulation that didn't want to, you know, be part of that have all moved here. So it's it's kind of an interesting new melting pot now. Yeah. That makes sense. I bet a lot of the world is experiencing that and their little small towns are getting inundated totally. Well, mixing yeah. and matching. Yeah. So we can shift into, I would mostly love to hear about your experience studying indigenous wisdom and how you applied indigenous knowledge and what you brought into your practice for womb healing. Is there anything that comes top of mind? I'll just, uh, let me share my first experience with that because that was pretty profound. So I, I was married in my twenties for nine years to my ex-husband. And, um, when I turned 30, uh, I decided to separate and get a divorce and right after, you know, I, I'm, we separated, um, I just, I knew I needed to leave the area I was living in. Um, and I kind of was ready to sort of set off on an adventure to find myself, you know, as, as usually happens after a breakup or ending a, a significant relationship. Right. And I found myself down here in Mexico. I was actually in the Yucatan in, in Tulum at the time. And this was, this was like a little less than the, yeah, I'm 36 now. So it was like six, seven years ago. Um, and I was on a retreat there and there was a Mayan medicine woman who was offering, you know, body work if you could call it body work but it was really so much more than that it really was more of a a spiritual although it was lying on a table and you know there was oils involved and she had her hands on me there was definitely something more going on and it was something that i had never experienced before and we got to the point where she was spending some time working around my my womb area and i had this really amazing somatic reaction on the table where i just started like I almost felt like I was exercising something. I was like shaking and vibrating and it wasn't anything I could control. It was like literally like flying off the table and I had to like slow down my breath and try to be present with it because it felt like it was just going to overtake me. It was really intense. And so, you know, we complete our session and and I, I sit down and have lunch with her afterwards and I, my Spanish is pretty good and she didn't speak English. So we were trying to communicate and, you know, she was like, would you like me to, you know, explain for you what I, what was going on during that time? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, you had somebody else's energy here in your womb space. And I'm like, well, in my head, I'm like, of course, you know, I was married for the last nine years. Like there was only one person taking up residency in, in that part of my body, other, you know, but it was like, it was very clear from that discussion that, and this is something I've come to understand a lot later through working with like the chakra and the energy systems is that there are ways in which we make these unconscious agreements with people where we really bind ourselves up energetically to them. And it can happen very specifically in certain parts of our body. And so specifically with like the root and sacral chakras, um, we can make these kind of agreements with people where they, in a way, we're sort of giving them ownership over these parts of our bodies. Um, and, and then it's more than just this part of our body, right? It's actually like what all of that represents. So, so that was like the first step of realizing like, okay, 
I'd been doing something that I didn't consciously realize I was doing in my dynamic with my partner. And you could see it as kind of like a trauma bonding sort of thing, if you've heard that term. Yeah. Um, but realizing that I was giving away power, my own power that resided in these areas in this type of exchange. So fast forward to a few years later, um, I'm actually in Costa Rica and I'm sitting in my first ayahuasca ceremony. And, you know, this is like where my life journeys had taken me at this point. And I was like pretty amazed and embarrassed to find that my entire first journey with that plant medicine was about this strange kind of un unconscious dynamic that I'd had with my ex-husband around um, my sexuality with him and how it was it was like the next layer I was like peeling back around this journey where I really it was like the medicine took me through my root chakra and my sacral chakra specifically and like showed me in like a montage all of these memories of how I had essentially for the need for safety and protection um, for the fear of being alone and abandonment, I was, I had been making these energetic exchanges with my ex-husband that, and, and the, that like act that was solidifying those agreements was our sexual life, was our sexual act. And it really just blew my mind. Like it is, it was, it resonated immediately. I knew that all of that was true, but you know, when you don't know, you don't know what you're doing you know, but I do, I did know it was a very codependent relationship. And at that point, you know, luckily I decided to leave the relationship and I was, but I was, I was getting clear on what patterns I had based on my, you know, my parents' relationship and my upbringing and what I was kind of, um, allowing into my life so that I wouldn't continue to make those mistakes with future partners. So it isn't always necessarily about, you know, about sexuality, but you know, when we are talking about our wombs, that, that is very tied into it, right? I mean, that is where life is coming forth from. And that's the amazing power of this, of our womb spaces is that it's so, it's generative, it's creative and it's procreative if if that's what you're doing, you know? But it's just, it's really interesting because, you know, it was, it was sort of awakening through those particular healing experiences that I saw how much more there was to the womb that I had never been willing to pay attention to listen to. And so that was the beginning of kind of detoxing in a way from what was in there. And it led to many other experiences. Like, um, you know, I began studying uh, some um, abdominal massage um, of the, in the Mayan style, which was similar to what that woman had been doing to with me in Tulum, um, which can help with things both physically, like helping reposition wombs, you know, our womb can kind of get out of position, our, our uterus can move out of position. And so being able to kind of physically support moving it back into appropriate position, but a lot of it is really energetic. Um, and then another indigenous practice that's become rather popular recently is um, womb steaming, sometimes called yoni steaming, peristeam hydrotherapy. Um, but that's been around forever in all cultures of the world. Um, actually, the first time I ever did a Yoni Steam session was at a Korean spa. And it was really funny because it was like not private. It was like this room where there was like a bunch of other random people I didn't know all sitting on these chairs. And they were like very high tech looking chairs. It was not like your like <laughs> Yoni steaming box that you see people using now. It was like, they asked me what I wanted it to help with. And I was like, um, yeah, like a heavy period. And then they like injected some like diluted like serum into the thing. It was the strangest thing. And I was like, okay, but I had such a positive experience. And that's when I was like, okay, I want to go study more about this and understand, you know, my love for herbs definitely factors into that. Cause I think plants have such powerful medicine for us and they communicate with our bodies in a way our bodies understand, unlike, you know, synthetics or pharmaceutical drugs. And um, so that, those are some of the, I mean, that's just like the arc, I guess, of like some of my own journey that led me to really realize how important those things were when I started sharing it with women in my practice. So, um, I had a physical practice in Humboldt County, California for several mm -hmm. years when I was living out there in the Redwoods. And, um, so I was having women come in and we were doing coaching work around menstrual and reproductive health, but I was often offering, um, womb steaming sessions as well as, um, um, abdominal body work. And I was just, I was learning so much just from the experience. What I found really prevalent was women that had never had an experience of doing a Yoni steam, you know, when we would sit there and, you know, I don't know, I don't know how other practitioners do it for, for me, you know, based on the comfort level of my client, I would generally be in there and I would often drum or lead them through a guided meditation and then eventually kind of give them some private time as well. Um, but 
you know, utilizing it as like a sacred ceremony or a ritual rather than like a beauty treatment. Like I'm just going to steam my vagina. You know, it's, it's something deeper than that. And, you know, I want to say like nine out of 10 times, the first time a woman would sit and have that experience, it, it would engender a huge emotional release, you know? And so I found myself time after time having women, you know, we, you know, the, you know, we'd end the ceremony and we'd sit down and kind of have an integration talk to, you know, see what came up and what the next steps would be. And, you know, all of a sudden women were recounting stories of, you know, previous sexual trauma or, um, you know, if they had had children upsetic, you know, or, or like trauma from childbirth or, you know, it's just relate dynamics with their mother that they'd never healed. And, you know, it was like, I started to realize like all that stuff, that's, this is the repository, all those stories, all of that unprocessed emotion has just been living in their womb space and contributing to their hormonal issues, their period problems, and possibly creating, you know, imbalances that could lead to disease later, endometriosis, PCOS, um, cervical cancer, you know. Um, and it was like, in, it was just the amazing, I felt like it was such an honor to be a part of and witness. Because I, I didn't feel, you know, yes, I'm like singing or, you know, supporting the process and facilitating in some way. But it was like, their bodies were healing themselves through this process, just giving them the chance to connect with their womb space, feel into her, which is one big part of what the steaming is doing. It's just like bringing awareness to this part of the body that we don't usually connect with and, you know, allowing whatever healing was wanting to take place to begin its process. And so I just felt like I was a witness being able to see what was going on. And I felt deeply honored to be a part of that. But, you know, it made me trust so much deeper in our wisdom as women and the wisdom of our wounds, uh, of our wombs, because it, it was like, um, it was like, I was just getting to witness a natural healing happening on its own. And I think it's something that all of us are, are fully capable. Our bodies want to heal. And it's really about giving them the time to listen and pay attention and make healing the priority and the intention. Um, and it will happen and it will happen on its own time. So, yeah. Mm. I love that so much. You really got into the deeper layers there. Cause I think, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow goop, all these like kind of modern new age things that were like, Oh, what is that? That's very new. It's ancient wisdom that's coming into the mainstream. And I love that you were able to peel that back and discover that and really unlock what's really being held there. And I love what you're saying too, about communicating with a part of our bodies that we often shy away from, or maybe experience shame around. I remember the first time doing a Yoni steam and I mean, like, think of all like the waxing we go through, the hiding, the, the the almost like slut shaming that we go through as women or just hiding parts of our bodies that's like unclean or unsafe and to honor and hone in and zero in on the womb and the vagina itself. It's like that is even uncomfortable sometimes to think about or say out loud and to to honor it is absolutely so emotional, especially to your previous point about living in such a masculine society to really step into the feminine body and honor it and actively heal it. So powerful. I also yeah, so find much of the yeah. work that I do around that is really just helping women access that channel to begin to have a relationship and commune with their wombs. And so, you know, there's different guided meditation practices that I, you know, introduce women to, you know, sharing how to do steams for themselves at home, things like that. But, you know, I, that's, it's really just getting into the practice of doing that because it's not something we've ever been taught. It's not something most of us have ever, you know, witnessed or seen. And, and even for me, even years into this work, it's easy when something traumatic happens to yet again, disconnect and dis disassociate, you know, and it could be any part of the body, but I think very often it is the womb. So I had a, um, a miscarriage maybe four years ago now. And, um, and I remember afterwards, you know, I just, I knew I should steam. I knew I needed to tap into my womb and, and heal, but I felt like, and this is something I think a lot of women who have experienced this can relate to. I felt like a crime had taken place in my body and the scene of the crime was my womb and it felt like it had betrayed me. And so even after all this work I'd personally done with, you know, healing my womb and, and accessing what emotions were in there and doing this, it was, it was, it, all it took was that experience to then kind of freeze up and want nothing to do with her for a while. Hmm. And I, I just kind of was like, okay, I, I know I'm going to have to come back to this, but I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. And I think that's something I, I see with a lot of women too, who experience different types of trauma that, you know, you just have to give the nervous system time um, and the safety and the security to feel ready to go into a 
space like that to do that work either. It's not something to be jumped into, um, you know, without caution. And I remember one day I was, maybe this was like two months after my miscarriage or so. And I was uh, laying outside sunbathing and the sun was so strong. And I just got this intuition that I needed to take my pants off and I needed to just spread my legs and I needed to just let the sun shine on my vulva. And it was, and it felt so vulnerable after everything that had happened. Like even just opening my legs like that was, it felt incredibly vulnerable and hard to do. But I remember how healing just the sun on her was. And after that day, I felt like, okay, I can do a steam. And I did a steam and I felt like, oh, okay, I can go into this. And I could cry and I cried and I released a lot. I remember I, you know, wrote a poem and I did this whole little ceremony afterwards, but it was like, I had to give myself the time before I felt ready to go back in and do that work, you know? So I just, I say that because, you know, it doesn't matter if you're somebody who's been doing womb work for a long time, or you've never, ever done any of this work. It never is easy when you've experienced some type of trauma and you really have to, you know, take the time, work on calming your nervous system, get to that place where you feel safe to be able to go in and do that work. I love this point you're touching on about safety. That's something I always, I think that's kind of the role of healers and facilitators is to create that safe space so that other people can explore and they get permission to unleash basically, where they might not even feel safe doing it alone. Um, so that's why it's, it feels such like such an honor to, to guide women like, like you're doing, like I'm doing. And yeah, this is really, this is really powerful work that you're doing. I love that you're talking about the sun coming in. I remember doing the same thing. What did I want to touch on with you? Oh yeah. Reiki. I found that in Reiki practices bring up a lot of this as well. There's like, once you enter the energetic realms, like the, the just touch and the focus in on each of these chakras or these energetic points will unleash something in almost like an astral plane that gets to work out across timelines and takes us almost out of the body. Um, I wonder if that's something that you felt into on your, in your ceremonies and and elsewhere. Yeah. I've, I've also studied Reiki and a couple different styles of energy work. It's, I would say it's really helpful having an awareness around that because it does very much pay into it. I don't know that I feel like it's, I mean, right now we're talking about metaphysical things. So it's like hard to like use language to really grasp it, but I don't know that I think it's really out of the body. Mm. I think it's in like, you know, the, the energetics are on another plane, but they're, they very much live in the body in some way also, you know, um, which is why working with the body in some way, you know, can support tapping into that. Um, but I do think that that work is incredibly powerful. And I think it's very real, regardless of, you know, how other people have maybe felt about it or whatever. If you're willing to go and do that work, you'll discover for yourself that it is very much real. Um, and I think specifically when it comes to the womb, there is, there's this an ancestral component. So for me, it's almost like in the energy body itself, it carries the patternings that we have experienced through our lineage. I think a lot for women through our maternal lineage. Um, so I'll give you an example. And this is one reason why I think I was really called to doing this work as well is um, birth. Birth is Birth is a big part of this work. So um, when my mother was giving birth to me, it was, she had a very traumatic birth experience, which it doesn't seem to be all that uncommon these days. Um, but I actually, uh, I was, um, forget, forgetting the word right now, but I was sunny side up. And because of my positioning, because of, you know, how they had her in the hospital, because the epiderm, uh, because the my brain is just not working. <laughs> epidural, oh epidural. Epidural, thank you. Uh -huh. um, um, you know, she didn't have access to her legs to be able to move in different positions, whatever. You know, I got really stuck in there and she was in labor for a really long time. And when she was attempting to push, it was putting a lot of pressure on her pelvis. And ultimately three of her pelvic bones cracked, broke mm. during um, the labor process. And her, so that would be like parts of her sacrum and her coccyx. So fast forward to my childhood, I have a few injuries where I fracture my sacrum and my coccyx. Mm. Then I do it again in my 20s. So three different times in my life, I, I've never broken maybe a toe. Other than that, I've never broken any other bones. And it's the same ones that my mother broke during childbirth with me. Okay. What the hell is that about? Right. You're like, that's just, that's a weird, you know, you could just throw it up to the coincidence or whatever. But I realize like there is something in our ancestral line, there's something in my energy body that is, that is, you know, 
it's trying to point me in a direction. So I don't even see it as like a weakness necessarily. It was an opportunity for me to go in there and kind of see what this is about and begin to do healing work around it. And I think that was also part of the introduction for me because, you know, I, I think it's been, I would say maybe part of my initiation into doing this work was discovering that I was carrying something that goes back beyond me and, and that someone needed to address it. Otherwise, you know what, it could be passed on to my daughter too. And I see this a lot with clients. I'll, I'll be talking to them and they're like, I think I might have endometriosis. And, you know, they're like, well, my mom had endometriosis or I, you know, I think I might have a cyst, but my mom and my, and her grandmother also had cysts or fibroids or whatever, you know, um, you know, often we're going to keep passing these on as women. If we, if we do have children, um, to the, to our daughters until somebody kind of stops to begin to say, what is this about? And what is it, you know, maybe what is this trying to carry and, and teach us and share? Is this related to some type of injury that happened, you know, more psychologically or emotionally or some type of violation with my mother, or with my grandmother? And like, you know, maybe it's not my stuff, but it's in me and I'm, someone needs to address it, you know? And so, um, yeah. And, and, and I think also not, Mm, overly intellectualizing it. Like, I can't say I could tell you in words what exactly was the pattern that was being carried between my grandmother and my mother and myself through this, you know, through what was happening with our sacrum. But I do know that there was a lot of pain and trauma and that I have worked with a lot of different healers personally and then with myself to begin to clear that out. And I've had amazing healings happen as a result of that. And actually, you know, I just had an osteopath here yesterday with me, um, I've been having him work on me since I gave birth because, you know, help pressure on the pelvis. But one of my biggest fears in, in giving birth to my daughters was that I would have that same fracture happen. And so I, I spent time working with chiropractors and osteopaths beforehand to really support it. I've increased the mobility of those areas significantly. And I found that actually through the process of birth, the opposite happened for me. The hormones that allowed my pelvis to grow and, and change shape to prepare for birth actually began to like shift in a way that created more healing hmm. for this area of my body that I've experienced a lot of pain in. So it made me feel like, wow, I have really done significant work in this. And it feels like, you know, the buck stops here, right, in some way or another. And so, like, like I said, I can't like intellectually actually, you know, tell you exactly what that was about. But I do know that making it, a, you know, making a point to really focus on it and do my own healing work around it, I believe can heal the past and the future can heal mm -hmm. my mother and my grandmother and our lineage and can, uh, you know, eliminate the need for my daughters to have to do this work when it comes, you know, time for them. So. Oh, this is so cool to hear about. And I appreciate you saying like, let's not over intellectualize it. Let's like, let's like feel into it and just let it flow through. It's reminding me of, um, I was in kind of a Reiki session, mixed metaphysical section. And my mother was there with me and our practitioner had her hold my feet and kind of pull out anything from my root. And it was extremely emotional. And all of these kind of memories got unlocked or these cords that are being held. So I think there is this beautiful marriage in this metaphysical work that you know, just connects mind, body, spirit, and can have us almost like timeline hopping to reintegrate and to release, which is really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think time factors into it at all. I think we're really able to, yeah, I like that timeline hop to do this mm -hmm. work. Yeah. And another thing that was coming up with my client the other day, which I'd love to get your input on was we were walking through her birth story, her first bleed and her first time having sex and how those are three huge pillars that women seem to go through as initiations. Um, do you find the same in your work with your clients that those are some pillars that you talk about? Yeah, we often will go back and, and talk about that. Actually, I've just been posting about that recently because a very good friend of mine um, is teaching a workshop for women on how to lead menarch ceremonies for their daughters or, you know, for other young women in their community. Um, and so I've been promoting that workshop for her because mm -hmm. I think that that work is really important, but in sharing about it, you know, I realized like, I, this is a pattern I see consistently is like how we experienced our first bleed and then how it was also reflected back to us through our family and friends, like how everyone in our life was responding to that plays a huge role in how we feel about our wombs, about our womanhood, um, and about our cycles. And then how we feel about our wombs, our womanhood and our cycle really impact the quality of our health there and whether we begin to, you know, experience disorder or any disease in these areas. Um, and so 
I feel like, you know, having these rites of passage and really honoring them and not just, you know, but as a family or as a community, I think are really critical. And I, I feel the same way actually about, you know, like, quote unquote, losing your virginity or, or having intercourse for the first time that, you know, that there needs to be some more honoring and ceremonial around that, which only happens in a world where we view that as being something sacred. Mm -hmm. And I know that can be really challenging and I think very triggering to talk about with young girls because most parents don't want to think their children are doing that, but then they are. And it's done in this kind of sneaky hiding way. And it might not be, you know, I think, I think even that needs to be held in a deeper way by mothers and by sisters and by aunties. And um, because, you know, most of us understand that. And I, I mean, of the many women I've talked to, for the majority of them, having sex for the first time was not how they would have wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it wasn't with the right person, it was like drunk at a party, it was some older man who maybe took advantage. I mean, there's like so, you know, maybe it was the early sexual trauma. There's so many ways in which it wasn't done in a way where full um, consent was given and it wasn't done in a way that was seen as beautiful and sacred. And I feel like all of those things factor into the type of experiences that we have later with our, with our cycles and with our, um, with our womb health. Um, I'm trying to remember what your original question was. Oh yeah. So, but one of the things that I found that can be really powerful is in, in a really meditative healing space to revisit all of those, to revisit those and see what wants to come up around that. And, and generally most women will, will need to do some healing around that. We'll have some type of emotional release. There's still stuff that we're carrying and holding onto. If we haven't opened up to this, those memories, these experiences, you know, generally if, if it was discomfort, you know, there's discomfort around it, we would just kind of shove it down and not look at it. And so I found that to be a really powerful practice. And I led a, an online womb shame ritual, like releasing shame around um, our wombs, whether it was because of, you know, abortions or sexuality, whatever. Um, and we did uh, a process like that where we went kind of through our, honestly, from our own birth um, through to our life at this moment and kind of revisited these kind of transition moments when we first bled for the first time, our first sexual experience, and, you know, see if there's anything in there that wants to come up and be addressed and be looked at. And I find that that is very profound for women to do. It's just amazing things that will come forth from that. Mm. Absolutely. Sabrina, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. I think people are just going to walk out with so much kind of knowledge and an understanding of the next step to take, I hope, especially for the women listening. But um, I could ask you questions for hours. I hope I can get you on again in the future so I can ask you more. I'd love Um, to. Wonderful. So if people want to get to know you more, want to work with you, how can we connect with you? Yeah. So um, I'm on, I probably live on Instagram the most. So I'm womb underscore alchemist on Instagram. And I share a lot of, I share a lot of my own journey there and my kind of my life story, as well as sharing a lot of tips around um, hormonal health and connecting with your womb space. Um, my website is Sabrina Urania. So my last name is O-U-R-A-N-I-A.com. And um, I'm presently, I'm taking a few slots in 2023 for one-on-one mentorships. Um, Generally, those are four months or longer. And um, that's a really deep dive for women who are maybe dealing with things like PCOS, fibroids, endometriosis, infertility challenges, you know, um, where we really, we really go deep into both the physical and the and the metaphysical, the spiritual realms around whatever work needs to be done um, to to clear that and to break through. And my other big project is um, I've started working with other young womb workers um, to expand their education and support their businesses, because I think this work, we need it out there. We need as much of it as possible. And I can only see so many people. And now I'm a busy mom. So I uh, even less really. And so um, I've started this mastermind. This is the second time that I'll be running it where I'm supporting other young women who are either new to or have begun a practice of womb work, whether that's Yoni steaming or their doulas or their feminine embodiment teachers or their red tent priestesses, but to teach them more about um, like hormonal literacy and really understanding our hormones and our menstrual cycle from that scientific perspective. Cause I think that that's often a piece that is lacking and then also supporting them in um, with mentorship around their businesses so that they can succeed and thrive and get their work out there and help as many women as possible. So um, yeah, those are the big things I'm doing and you can reach me through um, Instagram or through my website there. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much. And your sweet baby has been a total angel, little Fiana for everybody listening. She's held her little angel baby in her arms this whole time. I keep moving. If you see that, (laughs) is this going to be annoying to watch on a video that I'm just rocking back and forth, but I kind of, Oh no, we're going to love it. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Have a great rest of your day. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. All right, my friends, thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us today. I hope you're feeling inspired and lifted and called to action in some area of your life. And check out the description below for more information. And of course, if you feel like a friend might benefit from what you just learned and listened to, please do send it along, spread the love. Final note on my end is that every month on the full moon, I host a full moon circle. So this has been an awesome way to come together as community to explore together In the first half, we do an oracle card pull and some journaling. And then in the second half, I take you on a guided hypno journey, which is a really potent and powerful visualization for calling forth your highest iteration of self. So check out the description for that link as well. And I think that's it for now. HelenDenham.com has everything you might need. So I love you so much. I'm sending you a big virtual hug. Thank you for being here. And I will talk to you soon. Bye for now.